Well, welcome back to the Worship and Technology Podcast. My name's Christian, and I get to work with the incredible team here at Multitracks.com to create digital resources that save you, the worship leader, time so that you can focus on what really matters. It's in today's episode that we really put the technology into the Worship and Technology Podcast as we hang out with the guys from Mosaic MSC. It's maybe the most stressful thing that we've ever done to... Andreas, Aaron, and Colin not only unpack their approach to the latest record, Human, but also how they utilize technology during their times of worship. But it's at the end of this episode, right before the last question, where I share with you probably the biggest game-changing secret to the way that I utilize technology in worship. So be sure to stay with us right to the end, because I'm confident it can change your experience too. Well, guys, thank you so much for your time and for hanging out on the podcast with us today. Really appreciate it. We're glad to be here. Absolutely. I'd love for you guys to take a few moments just to introduce yourself, your name, the role that you played there at Mosaic. Uh, My name is Andres. I'm part of MSC. I've been part of Mosaic for about uh, eight or nine years, and I moved to LA from Puerto Rico. Currently, I'm, I'm one of our songwriters, but then I'm also one of our pastors for our South Pasadena campus. That's part of LA as well. Um, and yeah, just excited to be here. My name is Colin Denard. Uh, I am on, on staff with MSC and I've been a part of MSC for the past about three and a half years. I'm in charge of a lot of our songwriting, production and keys parts, as well as uh, making music for various videos that we do and um, other content. And then I'm Aaron, Aaron Wheats. I am one of the pastors at Mosaic Hollywood, our main campus. Um, I lead worship there and lead the team uh, at that campus uh, in all the worship and things we do on Sunday mornings there. I also deal with when we tour with MSC and that kind of thing, uh, working with Ableton, working with the tracks and any other technology stuff, uh, as well as playing guitar. So you guys are based in LA. How many campuses are now part of Mosaic? You mentioned two there, but... I think it's seven. Amazing. It's seven now. We broadcast from Hollywood. And then we also have around the LA area, we have location in Venice Beach, South Pasadena. And then also we stream to Mosaic Seattle. Um, We also have Mexico City. And then recently launched in Ecuador, Quito, Ecuador is our newest location. In the post-COVID world now, it's like, we are essentially one campus now and, and we're all on the internet, you know? So, so what we've been doing is we've been mixing up worship from all over, you know, all of our campuses to, to kind of create a, a singular experience. Yeah. Now that COVID's happening, um, as Andy said, like we're basically united as one church again, you know, each campus kind of had its own personality and um, its own sort of variety, but, now uh, it's been cool to it feels like we're doing our conference or something you know sort of every sunday we're like chatting with you know the whole crew in a way like we have a huge group chat with a lot of our musicians who have like the capability to record and we've just been trying to come up with new ways to play together um the real-time things haven't really worked so we've been like training and coming up with recording solutions and stuff like that because really everyone's at home you know, filming on their iPhone and recording in whatever DAW or system they've got to record with. And it's been a really fun challenge. 
Tell me a little bit more about that. So you guys haven't been able to get together in one location. Colin, I'll come to you with this. You haven't been able to get together in one location to, to stream. So you've all been putting together elements yourselves from home. And then someone has the enviable job of stitching that together and making it come together. Is that right? It's been really interesting doing this at-home worship experience because we're taking people from each of our campuses. A lot of them don't even know each other. We're taking people from Seattle, from various parts of LA and we're getting them together and you don't know what the other musician is going to be doing. You don't know exactly what the other vocalist is going to be doing. So it's been kind of amazing to see how much we're stretching our own team during this time, because we're not only teaching them how to be better musicians, we're teaching them how to be almost studio musicians and also like the creative team and like the broadcast team and cinematographers and cinematographers. <laughs> so it's been so amazing uh, to see how much this has stretched our team because they're really, it's like you're playing by yourself, you know, you're, you're doing this song, but it's been cool to see when it's all pieced together on Sunday, it feels very unified. And it's just been really awesome to see our team be stretched like that. It's maybe the most stressful thing that we've ever done. It too. is insanely stressful. Because <laughs> you... You try and play and, you know, you think you know your parts and all that, but really isolating it and just having a scratch track to play along with. Because at least in the beginning, we had a quick turnaround time um, and then we started planning ahead and even sharing the responsibility a little bit of mixing and people creating scratch tracks and stuff. It's been a cool opportunity to sort of share the burden of that. Or really, it's not a burden. It's actually an opportunity, right, to, to teach and equip people our musicians, uh, how to do this, you know, how to, how to make this happen in a high quality way. The thought process and intentionality behind like, what's the arrangement of this song? What's really going to work? What's going to connect with people over the internet with, if they're in their living room, if they're in their, on their couch, you know, what is that, what's going to connect with them and inspire them, you know, to connect with Jesus. I love that. I'd love to talk a little bit more about that. So how has your approach to arranging a song changed or maybe the choice of songs changed in light of COVID and leading from home to people that are maybe sat on the couch as opposed to in the room with you? I think in terms of our focus, you know, we're, we're trying to make it feel intimate. We're trying to make it feel at home because people are truly at home and we are shooting at home. Um, when we originally started, when, when the first shutdown happened, we were still like, a select group of us were going to the building and, and, you know, doing a live band thing. But over time, as the restrictions increased, we couldn't do that. But also it was a little bit like, I feel like there might be a little bit of a disconnect to be watching like a live band, like a whole concert type of feel. And you're just at home on your couch, you know, Um, it's just, you know, the, the energy on, honestly, like it could still be powerful, but it's not going to translate in the same way. So that, that, shaped our shift in terms of like people are at their home so how can we create an intimate experience and then i think in terms of songs and content we just really want to bring hope you know as much as we can bring some hope bring a sense of gratitude you know focus on on what god is doing because he is doing something you know he continues to to move and bring beauty in the midst of this so um so yeah so really really centering on that so guys by the time this podcast goes out your new record will have been out for a couple of days people have had a chance to listen to it but for anybody that hasn't heard it yet that the new album is called human does someone want to tell me the story behind naming an album human when we started writing for it 
um, you know, our leader, Pastor Mariah, she just told us like, let's write lyrics that are human, okay. you know, that any, anyone can, can understand. And then out of that, you know, the theme kind of solidified even more, I think with the song fountain, um, which, you know, has this chorus that says, I am good. You say I'm good. And just going back to Genesis, you know, the, the idea that God creates humans and he says that they are very good and what he creates is good. You know, tr- trying to reclaim the idea that being human is a good thing, you know, that God created us to be human. And as we journey with Jesus, we are reclaiming our humanity. Jesus showed us how to be human, you know, what the best example of being a human looks like. And so that was kind of the idea informing the songs and, and the language and, and how we kind of shaped it. And, and yeah, so that's, that's what we were aiming towards. And Aaron, how does this album differ from previous albums that have you guys have put out, uh, particularly in the way that it sounds? Well, this album is a live album, and I don't think we've done a live album or recording since maybe it was Glory and Wonder was the last one. The records after that would be a little more produced, um, a lot of synths and you know, production and that sort of thing. They're all studio albums. The one put out before Human Heaven uh, has a lot of unique like sound design and uh, fun like arrangements and sounds. And we tried to really be creative with that. Um, But then Human, I think, is sort of that evolved into how we play live, like what it really sort of sounds like. On on one level, uh, we tried some very different in maybe risky things like playing with two drummers. Okay. Um, we played with two amazing drummers, so it worked out. But little challenges like that that were like this would I think really you guys, Colin or Andy might have more um to say about this, but it really felt like each of us playing in the band at least were doing so much of what we love to do. Like it was it was just so much fun to record it. And we were all trying things that we we're really passionate about. I was using you know, in addition to guitar, like modular synths and that sort of thing, Colin was using all sorts of keyboard stuff with his profit. And, you know, on the gear side, it, at least even on the instrument side or the the playing side, even the parts and all that, it was like, we really were trying to enjoy, not just push the envelope, but enjoy the envelope, I guess. Yeah, correct. yeah even sonically too, like since it's a live album, it sometimes when you hear a live album, everything's so overdubbed and so overproduced but this just feels so raw and real and us that, you know, I love the way it sounds as, as like a whole, what, like I just listened to through it the other day and just like, man, this is really, this is what it sounded like when we were playing. Like Colin, I've heard you've got a bit of a, a unique approach for capturing sounds and integrating them into worship albums. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, well, uh, that quite a compliment. Um, I would say, I feel like with each record that we've done, I've tried to change my sound design process in a different way. On Glory and Wonder, I was using a lot of VSTs. I was using a lot of Omnisphere, a lot of Diva, and just random VSTs all through main stage. For Human, the live recording, I used no VSTs. I just used my Nord and my Prophet. There were a few things that we put in the tracks that were from programs like Arcade by Output, which definitely plays a big part of this record. One thing I love about Arcade is that it has a very organic texture, a lot of natural sounds sampled and put into 
a VST. And I feel like that kind of was a very natural fit for the album for human because for human, we were definitely going for a more organic sound than a synthesized kind of process sound that we've done before. I love synths. I love very processed synths, but I love the direction that Pastor Mariah had for this album. And it was like, we're just going to strip it back. We're going to go for a more organic, warm sound. And so instead of doing a lot of bright, pulsing saw waves that I love to do. Yeah. <laughs> Especially like if you contrast. For our next album, Robot. incorporate all digital effects it's a remix contrasting the sounds on glory and wonder to the sounds on human i think listeners will know will realize that it's definitely a lot more of an organic sound i use a lot of organ which i was never really a fan of but if you listen to especially the song fountain it starts and it's like there's an organ throughout the entire song a lot of organ a lot of mellotron a lot of Rhodes, electric piano, a lot of Wurlitzer. So it was definitely, I was just kind of taking all the things that I did not use on Glory and Wonder, on Unknown, and on Heaven, and was like, okay, here they go. And they just fit really perfectly for the sound and the concept of the album. I had a sneak preview uh, of the album today. And I think one of the tracks that really stood out to me was Everlasting Light. Andy, can you tell us a little bit about that track and maybe the story behind that song? It's funny, uh, that was one that Pastor Mariah wrote and we weren't sure that that would even make it on the album originally. And then, but when we started playing it, you know, in our church and, and live, like it was so the the response was so immediate, you know, people gravitated towards it so quickly. And it's crazy about that song is that it's become so timely now. You know what I mean? Like even the darkest days are temporary. You are the everlasting light. And, you know, it definitely seems like we're in the darkest days, yeah. you know, in a lot of senses. And so um, uh, that song has just taken on new meaning. And even today, just today, we're, you know, there's a line in there that says, you know, a uh, new reality, the end and the beginning, a new reality, you know, how, how God brings us into a new reality. And then, you know, we're seeing the, re- the restrictions for COVID and what that's going to look like. And, and the, you know, the mayor of LA is like, we need to prepare for a new reality, you know, and like what that's going to look like. And, and it's true, you know, like after all of this is done, it's not going to be back to normal. It's going to be a new normal, right. you know? And so, um, yeah, so that song really has, is that's why it's the opening track because it's just, it speaks to where we're at right now uh, so much. And so we've, we've really kind of held on to that song and, and it's been amazing to see people's responses to it. One thing I might add to the sound of the album is that we literally used so many humans to create it. Okay. Like on the vocal side, the choir is just this massive thing. Like you, you hear it, especially on songs like Close to You. Um, but when we recorded, I think every single person in the choir had like an individual, like 58, and our uh, recording engineer. Uh, just found a way to make all that happen. I was like, is this possible? Do we need the choir mics that like hang overhead? And is that going to sound good? Cause we have two drummers and all this interference, but uh, literally having them as well as the other vocalists who are like leading the songs and background vocalists and that kind of thing, I think really contributes to like the feeling of it. There is an obscene amount of microphones on this album. How many, how many microphones on this album? Would you even hazard a guess? 40 mics just for non-leading vocalists. 
<laughs> yeah. And then we had like the front line, which was like 10 vocalists. And then we had two drummers. So each drum mic. <laughs> and, and then our talkback mics. <laughs> talk talkback mics. Each drummer also had bongos, bongos and timbales as well. So it was like so many microphones. Music director, multiple talkback mics. What's happening there? For this last album, everybody had a talkback mic, every musician. Wow. We actually, for this album, we played 17 songs for the, the concert. The album has eight tracks. And we actually divided up music directing responsibilities between myself, between Aaron, and between Andres. So we had, uh, the vocals had their set list on the front of the stage so they can remember what's happening. And then we had like our music director set list, okay. uh, which had, you know, the songs and the keys, but then also who's music directing it. So just because for one person to music direct 17 songs, yeah, it was, it was a lot of responsibility because each of us, you know, depending on the song, we're doing a lot of stuff. Aaron's doing Ableton and guitar. I'm doing like three keyboards uh andy's doing bass and also like he he played piano on one song that i did bass on one song so we just there's a lot of moving pieces so it just made sense we're like hey let's just take the music directing responsibilities and just divide it up between the three of us we had so many songs that i I forgot about that colin like we had so many songs that it was if it was one person, their head would explode. Like, and there's so many yeah. changes and tweaks and things that we did along the way, like workshopping them live as a band, uh, that it, yeah, it really made sense to split it up like that. In your normal Sunday worship leading outside of the recording for the album, does Ableton play a large part in your sound and in your, your setup there as well? Yeah, typically we use Ableton to support, um, like have some extra elements, like production elements, little risers and stuff that help the sound overall, okay. as well as usually we'll, it depends on the Sunday because we're all volunteer. Uh, we use uh, people from all different skill sets, all oh. levels of musicianship, right? And so um, there's some things that are like, okay, this is going to be really you know, challenging on some level to pull off because I don't have Colin's VSTs, even though he doesn't use them anymore. So we'll just put this on the track <laughs> or there's like, some vocal sound or that kind of thing that obviously, you know, it would be cool to have someone sit there and play a sampler, but um, you know, to lock it in, maybe we'll we'll put this on the track. And then uh, usually whoever is running Ableton is on stage. They could be the MD, it could be someone else. In that setup, we usually just have, I think the band split up on two sides of the stage. And so the drummer will probably have a talk back and then the keyboard player or whoever else is running Ableton will have one as well and be able to call changes and that sort of thing. As Colin mentioned, like his rig has changed so much over the years to like now being a Nord and a prophet. My side of things has changed a lot too. Um, and just my approach of playing guitar and what that looks like from using amps to using Kempers to now using things like the Helix um actually i used the helix like stomp the hx stomp the smallest one possible just to like further eliminate like distracting things like tap dancing and all that like syncing that to things like ableton and creating um workflows that allow us to do things a little more where we can focus on the music basically two questions coming up but the first one i'm afraid is gonna cause half of our listeners to love you or half of our listeners to dislike you and the question would be are you running ableton in arrangement or session view oh i'm so ready to offend some people (laughs) well okay here's the thing 
obviously for recording an album arrangement view okay it was it made sense they set up markers all of that and it was especially great because we need to just work on one section we could punch in right but typically i've created this ableton session that just has every single one of our songs and it has never failed it has never like crashed. The interface has exploded and other stuff like that, technology side, yep. has gone very, very, very wrong. But the computer itself has handled it really well. But most of the time on Sundays, we run in uh, session view just because we, we, it's easier to program tempos. And some songs we don't have a track. So I'm not going to create like 10 minutes of dead space and, you know, use a rubber banding technique to, you know, create the elastic, you know, yep. grid for just that section and be able to loop it. And since we do a lot of, you know, some moments we do, we will flow or change an arrangement, you know, Pastor Mariah will be leading and just kind of turn around and look at me if I'm playing guitar and then I'll be like, okay, that means we're going to another chorus or whatever, you know, it's easier to, for, at least for me to flow around in session view. Um, as far as controlling that, even we use like most of the time we just use the little hotkeys, like set it up literally on the laptop. Okay. Just push, you know, song one is one, yep. song two is two, song three. And then like C for click, H for half song or whatever else, you know, we just try and make it, um, each person kind of does their own thing with it, which has been great. Cause we want to, you know, same thing with producing stuff for the COVID, you know, situation of worship recording at home you know we want to empower our volunteers and musicians to like take it into their own hands and create their own little system what's comfortable for them i think most people still like you aaron it's all right it's okay i don't think there's a wrong answer to that question i promise i used arrangement view one time (laughs) the reason i think we kept going with session view is there'd be times where we'd call for a song and if it's not in your live set then you've got to sit there for 10 minutes and find the stems route them correctly all of that and that i think at one point that was just like such a nightmare (laughs) trying to figure that out um you'd have to have such a long amount of time to stall but so we use a session view mainly for you know as we mentioned before like our creativity, you know, sometimes happens last minute. And so we've got to like come up with something or change, you know, oh, we actually want to do this song and it's like five minutes till doors, you know, can we just check it real quick? And then, yeah, it's right there. It's a little easier on the, um, I don't know, the, it, the those last minute inspirations or like, oh, Pastor Irwin's talking about this, this song would fit better. Okay, let's change the song. Let's do that. It keeps us, uh, there's more work on the front end I guess to create that master session, but for us, it, it makes us a little more nimble and a little more flexible. Um, and within that we have like every possible arrangement, like front to back, and then also cut up between like, this is just the chorus or just the outro, or we're not going to do the outro. So just, you know, exit here, you know, that kind of thing. It's a little bit like a, just all the options exist there. Ableton Live is an incredibly powerful piece of software and has been the production hub for countless bands for a number of years. In fact, it was the centerpiece of my worship leading setup for over 13 years. But it does come at a cost. 
The learning curve is steep and the transfer of knowledge, especially to volunteers, is not easy. So imagine my surprise when after 10 years of training other people to use Ableton Live, I sat down on the couch in my lounge and watched my eight-year-old son build an entire worship set on an iPad quicker and easier than I could in Ableton. Playback is our iOS multi-track player that has all the power, stability and flexibility that you'd expect from a professional touring rig, but with simple, intuitive controls. With the addition of MIDI out to control lights, lyrics and more, and now the ability to save and transfer set lists and arrangements, it really is an incredible tool for any worship team. Discover why beginners and pro users are switching to playback by visiting multitracks.com and checking out a free trial of playback for yourself. It's been great today to hang out with the guys from Mosaic MSC, so let's head back to Colin for his final thoughts before we wrap up this episode together. Our team has put our entire hearts and blood, sweat, and tears into this album. So much thought and intention has been behind every melody, every lyric. I think it's going to do just amazing things for the world. It's going to bring so much encouragement in such a crazy time that we're living in right now. And yeah, just to quote the first song off the album, Everlasting Light, you know, even the darkest days are temporary. You are the everlasting light. I think that's just a power, such a powerful reminder for what we're going through right now. Like this season is temporary, even though it feels like it's been an eternity. We're going to come out so much stronger on the other side of this and we're going to become stronger because of it, because God is with us through this, through this time.